We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Rhea, who is uh, or was a member of the furry community in the capacity of artist. And uh, in this conversation, we talk about her furryhood, uh, her transition and detransition, and also the rising fundamentalist progressivism within the furry community, which demands ideological conformity along the lines of critical social justice ideology or what people call wokeness or don't want to call wokeness or whatever that constellation of values is that seems to be ill-liberal. Rhea was a great guest to converse with. She's filled with humor and insight and her transition, detransition story is a little bit different than other stories in that vein, though all of those stories are unique to the individual. Links to her socials will be down in the description. Without further ado, here is Rhea. So what's on the docket today? What are we talking about? Well... The furry fandom, I suppose. Um, so I, I really think that people kind of just like toss aside, oh, you know, furries. Oh, they're furries, you know, with their weird group of people, whatever. Um, but I think that it needs to kind of be brought to light or discussed that a lot of this woke ideology that we're seeing is is being bred in the furry fandom. Uh, we're seeing a lot of like ACAB, BLM, the trans movement. Oh, you use the word bread. Is that like, is that a pun or no pun intended? Oh. There? <laughs> no, no pun intended. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make, make sure. Cause you know, you guys probably have your own lingo and everything and everything's oh, got. Oh God, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very far. No, I'm no, no, okay. no, I, I don't, I don't understand furry lingo. So okay. I joined like 10 plus years ago and it's not, no, it's not anything what it used to be. So, well, Let's uh, let's work up to wokeness and and uh, discuss how you got into the f- furry community and what okay. is that? Yeah, What's what is the about? furry community? Yeah, because I know that there is a strain of that that is a fetish, but mostly it's just cosplay, right? Um, yeah. So like, I I always liked it because of the cosplay aspect. Um, I'm an artist, and um, so I always love like Jim Henson and his Muppetry kind of stuff. So, yeah, I always thought it was a really cool concept that the furry fandom was kind of like this group where instead of, I guess, like idolizing other characters like Spock or Captain Kirk, you know, something that had been created, the furry fandom was allowing an individual to create their own character. And then you would make the costume or get the artwork done of it. Um, so, so I always thought that was really cool. And for you, was it about um, being able to conceptualize a character and uh, develop a backstory, kind of role play, and develop like this whole 
lore? I actually never got into no, I never personally was somebody who got into role play. Um for me, like I said, it I'm an artist, so it was all about the art. Um it's it's a community where like as sorry noises as a freelance artist you could really thrive you could create your own apparel line you could do you know prints of your own artwork you could create costumes so that's what kind of got me into it i was never one like i would wear the costumes because i made them um so i would i definitely had my own costume but when i would go to conventions it was more just like uh like me and the buddies having a drink and hanging out you know like i got a friend from nevada and a friend from chicago i'm from idaho we all met online and so a convention was just a place where we could just kind of like hang out and get to know each other and i guess develop friendships so that was always kind of a cool aspect too was like meeting people from all over the country yeah, yeah and then yeah. even all over the world so. so so when furries sit down to have a drink are, are there animatronic <laughs> like lapping things or do you have special straws that how do you yeah, we sit there and laugh. No, <laughs> um, no yeah, I, uh, you got to make sure you got the pr- the proper beer bottle. Um, oh, okay. Some yeah, people bottle. are really dedicated. Yeah, some people are dedicated, and they'll have like those giant, you know, stupid giant straws that go into their beer bottles or their drinks. Um, but no, for the most part, we just drink outside of our costumes. Okay. <laughs> But some people are dedicated. Like, oh, man, some people are crazy when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> Why would you not go all the way? I mean, uh, there's no, there's no, exactly. uh, uh, there's no, uh, I guess the, there's no where to stop it, right? So with regard to art or the art aspects, so you're working with fabric, you're working with prints, you're working with all these different mediums. And then mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. also community, which translates into friendships and then also being able to monetize your art, right? So you're able to right. buy and sell it and stuff like that. So it's a thriving, uh, I guess, commercial and social community. Mm-hmm. And do you know right. much about where it started or the history of it? When, uh, where the about? furry fandom started? Yeah. So... I'm not good with history. I think it started back in the 80s. um, And pretty much you just had this group of like nerdy kind of guys and women that they were all they were into like the sci-fi and like fantasy stuff. Um, And essentially, they just kind of got together. It all started online. But it was basically just like, hey, how cool would it be to kind of like make our own characters and write our own stories? Um, So I know that it kind of started off the back of like the sci-fi movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's basically all I know as far as history goes. Yeah. I don't know when the first conventions popped up. Yeah, I think I at one point, it was, it's been a while, I did see uh, some sort of documentary about the beginning of fandom. And it did start around Star Trek and Star Wars, where people, mm-hmm. that's where it kind of uh, started becoming events where they would rent hotels and stuff like that. So I can see that that would be yeah. a progenitor or like the seedbed for all these other kind of conventions, the anime conventions, the comic cons, all that stuff. Uh, started right in the 70s and 80s then so and with regard to your own characters and your own costumes what kind of animal uh would you uh gravitate towards when i think furry i think Mm. mostly dogs right not a lot of Mm -hmm. giraffes even felines aren't terribly represented are they 
It's definitely mostly wolves. Um, okay. When I first got into it, I was a wild dog, like an African wild dog, because I love the different spots. And you could just kind of have fun creating, hmm. you know, a, a character with those spots. Um, yeah. But then, like about a year ago, when I guess I was reintroduced to the fandom as Shark, <laughs> um, I, I decided to go more along the lines with a pit bull. Okay. Uh, and then I made a comic, and the fandom kind of thrust a lion on me. So now that's kind of how I'm known in the fandom is as a lion. A lion. Okay, wait. Mm -hmm. They thrust a lion on you. That's not a euphemism for a dog pile. But they <laughs> they somehow persuaded you into being and manifesting lion self. In, yeah, in there's a really big, long backstory to that, which... It started my whole journey into this nonsense. <laughs> okay. Like into well, me being like kind of kicked out of the fandom and stuff. I'm so. Okay. Yeah. And it, it has to do with being a lion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was this lion based, again, that's an African beast. And I'm wondering, is there like cultural appropriation discourse here? <laughs> like you're dressing up as yeah. African animals. Isn't that problematic? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, okay. so what it, what it was, was I had drawn, I had made a comic, and the main character was, you remember um, the Lion King, and you had Scar, and he was that darker colored lion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a lion that color, and he had dreadlocks, and it wasn't my character, I just made a lion with dreadlocks, and I put it in a comic, and so everybody said, that's you, culturally appropriating, you've done blackface, so. <laughs> I was joking, but they actually went there. They they did. I, it's a year later, and they're still telling me that I'm the guy that did blackface. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you identify as a guy? Uh, no. Um, I was transsexual. I was like female to male, and I lived as a guy for like eleven years. So oh. when all of this happened, I didn't. I don't tell anybody. I don't tell people that I'm trans. I don't tell people that I'm detrans because uh, now I'm detransitioned. Um, so when all this happened, they just assumed I was a guy because they dug up my information and they found like okay. pictures of me as a guy. So, so the fandom kind of thinks that, yeah, I'm a guy and I've tried to tell them that I'm not, but they don't believe me. <laughs> well, um, yeah, they believe what they want to believe. Do, do you want uh -huh. to talk a little bit about the trans stuff? Or you want to leave that off the table? Cause yeah, no, that's fine. 11 years is a long time. And uh, oh, yeah. when did you detrans and when did you trans? Because that's kind of early, uh, a little bit before yeah, I, the surge. Um, I, I transitioned, how old am I? 33. I transitioned when I was about 21. And... And that was when I started taking the testosterone. Um, and then detransitioning, it's been about two and a half, three years okay. since I stopped taking testosterone. Okay. And um, mm. what what was the prelude to transition? <clears throat> what informed that decision? Um, just I was like extremely masculine my whole life. And... Um, I had a lot of like identity issues, you know, a lot of people would call me gay and it's like, well, I don't, I'm not gay. So there was a lot of like, there was just a lot of identity issues. And then I was probably about 19, 20 years old when I found out that like there was this thing called transsexuals. And so when I was about 21, I, I went through a year of therapy 
and and then I started the hormones. But it was just one of those things where it's like I felt I was still masculine and and I'm still pretty masculine. <laughs> um, but it was just one of those things where it just it was like, wow, that's that's got to be it. Like I've got. I don't know. I don't fit in with like the normal the normal uh, idea of what a woman is. And so that must be what I am hmm. as, as a guy. Hmm. And and I never actually I never wanted to detransition, actually, which is kind of funny. I did it because I was having health issues. Okay. So what did transition mean to you? Uh, Just the hormones and I guess a dress code or something like that or change of name? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like my name was legally changed to Leo. Um, And yeah, I took the hormones and I presented very masculine. Like most people just assumed I was a gay guy. Cause like I said, I don't, I never went around telling people that I was, I don't tell people stuff like that. So I would just let them make assumptions, and that was always how I was perceived, was just as a gay guy. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, And when you say I, masculine, you were into sports and uh, heavy mm-hmm. equipment uh, uh, growing up or something? Yeah, I well, I grew up with boys, like all boys in my life. So I yeah. grew up fighting, um, you know, just fighting. I was into sports. I played baseball. Um my mom actually got me onto like the baseball team and off the softball team. And cause, which I actually really liked cause you know, and my coach never treated me any differently because I was a female. He was like, listen, if you're going to be on the guys team, you're going to throw like the guys. And like, and, and so that was kind of like my life growing up was I kind of just, I, that's how I grew up. I grew up hunting, fishing. I grew up in that uh, very, I guess what people would consider masculine culture. Hmm. And all the women in my life were not like that. So. Okay, so there was no other uh, woman like you mm-hmm. that you interacted mm-hmm. with. Okay, and d- d- yeah. did you grow up mostly in small towns, rural areas, stuff like that? Um. Yeah, I guess you could. I thought Coeur d'Alene was big, and then I left. <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up in North Idaho, so. Hmm. Um, and we were kind of like lower income. So whatever we did, we didn't really go into the city very often. So anytime we would go out and do something, we'd go shooting for the weekend or we'd go, um, camping and things like that. So, and so most of the women or even your society was kind of trad on the trad side, kind of very, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to say the word normal, but standard gender roles. Women go in one direction, mm-hmm. then kind of go in another direction socially and, and their behaviors and their likes and dislikes. Okay. Yeah. And my mom was always pretty open. Um, hmm. She never pushed gender norms on me ever. And, but my grandma kind of picked up the slack, <laughs> you know? So like for oh, my okay. birthday and Christmas, she'd always get me dresses, makeup, uh, Barbies, you know, like, and, and I was never into that stuff. And so I guess the way that I, I grew up, things like that were kind of pushed on me and I kept rejecting it. And so what I found out about the transgender thing, it was like, well, maybe that's my issue is uh, I'm not falling into these norms. Maybe that's what, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> and what was uh, testosterone like for you? How did it, inter- it interact with your body, your mood to begin with? Um, gosh, I will definitely say that, you know, you're going to have, it's going to affect your mood. Um, even if you asked me 10 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, whenever I started, um, I probably would have denied that it was doing anything to my, my mood, but 
it definitely affected my mood. Um, I had to kind of learn to control more outbursts, like anger. Like I, I was a lot quicker to anger. Um, I guess you could just say I was a little more aggressive, a little more assertive than I normally would have been. As far as like bodily changes, um, it probably took a couple years for me to really start passing as a guy, you know, like to have, I guess, like that fat redistribution on my body to kind of start growing in the facial hair uh, for my voice to kind of drop. Mm. And I mean, it, it probably took about two years to really pass. Um, and you were comfortable to, with those changes? Yeah. Um, I was looking forward to it. Yeah. Mm. I was excited about the changes. Yeah. Hmm. And we don't have to talk about your reproductive health, but I'm wondering, I, I've had a couple of really intense uh, conversations about uh, female reproductive health and, and how that has spurred some people towards transition because of the amount of pain or whatever going on with that. Mm -hmm. But testosterone definitely does uh, impact that entire system as well as all the mm. other systems and stuff like that. So I'm wondering, was that something that was manageable for you? Uh, um, so I, like testosterone affecting my reproductive system? Yeah. You're, um, and we don't have, oh. I'm sorry to go personal like that. It's no, just, no, no. Like ask me whatever. I don't, I'm open. Okay. Yeah. So I mean like, I'm not, I'm not easily offended. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. It's just really personal. Um, it's just <laughs> no worries. the, the menstrual cycle, um, mm -hmm. and testosterone, like, was that something that managed? Was that, uh, was there ever any dysmorphia oh, yeah. or a gender dysphoria that cropped up? What we call gender uh, dysphoria? Due, due to the testosterone? Due to the or, testosterone or beforehand? Like, like actual oh, yeah, with like, your body, like ups, being, uh, upset oh, or yeah. obsessed with, <laughs> with your physical body. Yeah. I, I loved the testosterone because it stopped my menstrual cycle. Um, cause that was something that like, <laughs> I remember when I first had it and I was like, what the heck is going on? And my mom was so excited. Like, oh, you're becoming a woman. And I'm like, uh, uh, no, this, I don't No, no, no. <laughs> um, so I was excited when the testosterone stopped it. Um, and, but then I always, I struggled with my breasts too, cause I always wanted top surgery, mm. <laughs> but life has a funny you know, it, life gets in the way of things. So it's like anytime I had the money saved up for top surgery, I had to buy a car or I had to get into a house or, you know, which thank God it happened that way since I detransitioned. But um, I did have issues with my breasts. <clears throat> I had accepted the fact that um, as far as bottom surgery goes, that was off limits. I was never going to, I mean, I understood what the surgery entailed. And that it was mostly cosmetic. And, and I, I just, I had come to terms with the fact that I was biologically female. Um, and I guess like socially passing as a guy was good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And romantic wise, you kind of hinted that you aren't or weren't a lesbian. So becoming a mm -hmm. guy without being a lesbian, just kind of an odd uh, yeah. combo or, or at least kind of complex <laughs> of how to navigate ro the romantic field oh yeah i spent like the first half of my 20s definitely confused i called myself bi um i was like hey i'm willing to try men or women 
But anytime I dated a woman, it was just like, oh, wow, I don't, I'm not into that. And so eventually what happened was in my late 20s, um, I met my husband, my now husband, and he knew me as a guy. And he was like, well, you know, I like women, but, and I know that you're biologically a woman. And Hmm. uh, so we started off as friends and it kind of grew from there. And he struggled with like being seen as a gay guy, which I understand because he's not gay. Hmm. Um, but so but your connection was just, like, was just so strong you guys just had a such a connection that he was able mm-hmm. to manage that yeah yeah huh. he was willing to look past that wow yeah what a guy yeah he's a really good guy huh. i'm very lucky <laughs> huh. we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And so... We'll, we'll get back to the furry thing, because I, I want to know mm-hmm. the intersection between transition or transness and furryhood. Furrydom? Um, furryhood. <laughs> but just to wrap up the transition part, and I guess we can come back to it. Like, what initiated the detransition? I was having, like, mystery problems with my spine. Um, I had seen multiple doctors, um, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. I essentially, I had developed what they call incomplete caudia equina. So I was having a hard time with my lower half. Um, I couldn't use my legs as well. I still can't, like, I can't walk up stairs. I can't do inclines. I can't do ramps. Um, and nobody knew why. And it, it came down to the point where the doctors were like, well, you're faking it. And it's like, okay, I'm clearly not, I'm struggling with my, you know, mobility issues. Um, but what happened was there was this one doctor after I had seen probably five to 10 different doctors and, you know, neurosurgeons, all these different specialists, one guy, he said, well, listen, I can't necessarily say it's the testosterone, but you might want to like try finding more information on the testosterone and how it might be affecting your spine if it is at all. And I tried looking into it and I tried finding stuff online and it's so hard to find like, it's so hard to find information, especially like negative consequences of taking testosterone, which I understand. Um, there's really not a long track record of studying this, but at the same time, I don't know. There's, there's things that I I was getting frustrated because I couldn't find anything about it. And I guess what did it for me was what he said. And I thought to myself, you know, I can keep taking testosterone or I can just stop because I don't know if it's affecting my body like this one guy said it might be. He was the only doctor that had any sort of an answer, even though it really wasn't an answer. At least he was willing to say it. Hmm. So for me, that's all I needed was for somebody to say, hey, you know, the testosterone could be affecting your body negatively. I can't prove it can't disprove it but it is you know and so from there i just decided um my health was more important than uh being trans but and that kind of opened a a a rabbit hole of thoughts you know that Hmm. i had to kind of go down to accept my detransition yeah so 
you, you'd have to dismantle one identity uh -oh. and then mantle uh -huh. another identity. And with regard to that, how plugged in were you to the so-called trans community online, uh, support groups, anything like that? Was that a part um, of your community? No. So when I was trans, I, I didn't really, maybe I wasn't looking, I don't know, but it really wasn't there. Um, especially not in the furry community, like, cause that's where I, I did, I hung out a lot was in the furry community and it was mostly just gay guys and some lesbians here and there, but it was mostly just gay guys. And, um, so as far as the furry community goes, I didn't really ever meet any other trans people. And then going to college, it was kind of the same thing. I never really met other trans people. Um, but there was this one time that. I went to a, I didn't know what a safe space was. And it's funny because looking back on it now, I'm like, man, that's so that's precious. Um, <laughs> but I had, I had gone to, um, I was like, Oh, a safe space, you know, it's got rainbows and stuff. I was like, I wonder what kind of people I'll find in here. And I did go in there and I hung out for a, f a handful of months and I interacted with them and I decided I'm going to stop going to the safe space. <laughs> Why you just didn't fit um, in, or they were kind of quirky in a different way? They were just, I, I guess you could say that's the first time I ever met, like, a male to female who was convinced that, like, he was female. Like, he wasn't a trans woman, he was a woman. And, yeah, they were just all kind of off, you know what I mean? Like, hmm. and I don't mean to sound rude, but that's the best way to put it is... Maybe I was a little more down to earth and they were a little more just kind of in their own heads. I don't know, but we didn't see the eye, eye to eye on a lot of different things. So hmm. I figured it was best to just kind of back away. Hmm. Yeah. And that replicated itself kind of in the furry community, the same kind of attitude and mm -hmm. behavior kind of took root or took oh, over. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But just to finish up or put a bow on the, uh, spinal stuff so how did mm -hmm. you figure out so you, you desisted from testosterone did you see a change mm -hmm. in your health i saw a change in my health in other ways yeah. um like now yeah i actually i would say yeah um because when all of when my when my spinal issues kind of peaked i was in a wheelchair full-time um I could still like move my legs and whatnot, but I was in a wheelchair full time. And now I'll have flare ups where I can walk. And like I kind of said before, I can't do inclines, but I'm not in a wheelchair full time anymore. Um, but I definitely have flare ups. So I'll have moment, you know, periods of time where I'm in a wheelchair or um, like if I go to Costco or a theme park or something where there's a lot of walking, I'll have to use my wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know if there's a correlation there. I, because of what, no pain or balance or uh, articulation? Um, balance. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and weakness. So, like, I guess, like, the best way to illustrate it was hmm. um, right before all this peaked, I was going to the gym uh, about five, six times a week. And I had a personal trainer and everything was going really well. Well, then all of a sudden, um, I started having issues with my back. And my trainer was like, what are you doing? Are you slacking? Like, you're, you're not using your legs as well as you normally would. Like, I don't think you've been going to the gym as much as you're telling me, <laughs> you know, because I, I couldn't 
I couldn't do as much weights with my legs as okay. I had before, even though I was going to the gym constantly. Um, so it was like, I was losing my, my strength is what was going on. Like, and, and I've got muscle spasms in my legs still. Um, so, and, and you know, and there's other issues too, but. And the doctors trace like, that to the spine. So it's a nervous or mm-hmm. a nerve disorder of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. What it, it's essentially caudiaquina. It comes from like the lower half of your spine being compressed and they couldn't figure out why they took multiple um, images. They took yeah. three spinal taps. They sent my information to the Mayo clinic. They presented my case in front of like a board of um, different doctors to kind of figure out like, I guess, more difficult cases <clears throat> and they couldn't. And so that's when they kind of approached me and said, Hey, you know, you're faking, <laughs> you're faking um, hmm. what's going on with your lower half. And, and I was getting really upset and really frustrated about that. So instead of suggesting that maybe it's, uh, I mean, the mind could be doing a trick. It could be like a hallucination or like some sort of psychological mm-hmm. thing that's going on. But they, they, uh, they said that you're faking rather than you're tricking yourself. Mm-hmm. Your mind is, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was more like, we don't really, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see them anymore after that because hmm. I don't know. I don't, rem- I don't think they necessarily said you're faking, but that was definitely okay. the attitude that they gave. Yeah. Hmm. They didn't straight up say you're faking, but it was more like we don't really know what's going on here. We don't want to see you anymore. And so I actually went to, cause I was doing all this in Washington. And so I had gone back to a doctor in Idaho and that's when that doctor said, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I can see in your imaging that you do have a lot of swelling in your lower back. What that's caused from, I don't know. The only thing is that you're taking tests. That's the only wild part is the testosterone, I guess. And, mm, mm. and so like I said, I was never given a definitive answer, but it was enough for me to go, my health is more important than some gamble okay. on the testosterone. So I and don't know if it was from the testosterone or not. But your, your, so your transition was strictly hormonal and social, not surgical? Right. Okay. And it would have been surgical if I could have, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you're chill with that. So how was it like being a woman, getting back into being a woman? Was that a rough ride for you? It was, yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. Um, Hmm. Like the thought process, like with my husband and I, I'd say, okay, I'm going to stop taking the testosterone, but I'm not going to dress in women's clothes. And he's like, you don't have to dress in women's clothes. I'm like, I'm not gonna. (laughs) And he'd go, you know, well, we could go to like, rei or something and buy you you know women do have clothes that are kind of like guys clothes you don't have to wear like tight fitting clothes and um so then we went out and we would shop at like different places for women's clothes and i'm like okay this isn't that bad it's not bad okay i got this i'm like i'll wear women's clothes but i'm not putting makeup on and then there'd be moments where i'm like uh i don't know makeup would kind of be helpful to kind of like hide my facial hair okay yeah (laughs) yeah like the five o'clock shadow um huh but now I'm there. Were, yeah. I mean, and there was a lot more to it, like a lot of like mental stuff, but that was kind of my thought process was it was like, I kept setting up boundaries for myself and they kept getting dismantled. <laughs> huh. What about your yeah. hair? Your, your beautiful hair. When did you yeah. decide to grow that out? Um, I think I started growing it out about a year ago. Okay. And that was something that I struggled. And, and actually, um, 
just a few weeks ago, I told my husband, I'm like, I need to cut it off. He's like, you're not cutting your hair off. (laughs) I'm like, please, like, just let me know. So we have to kind of figure out, like, I guess a style that I like. Because, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's too hot. That's my issue. I like the long hair. I like having the long hair. It's just too hot. (laughs) It suits you. It suits you. Your whole style suits you. So, okay, so back to furry. So did you take a break from the furrydom, it sounded like? Um, yeah, because I was just, like, so, I guess, frustrated with how the, like, I, I was so frustrated with the way that the furry community was going. Um, I kind of stepped away from it for about a year and a half. And then I said, you know what, F it. This is the only chance I'm ever going to really get to kind of, like, speak my mind and and then that's when i came back Hmm. for better or worse (laughs) so uh, just to go back a little bit you said that you weren't into stereotypically uh female activities did you ever think that art might be kind of stereotypically female or male have you always Uh, been no actually yeah i've always been compulsive okay but that wasn't a never gendered activity to you i don't think it should be i'm just wondering Um, no actually and it's Maybe surprising, I'm not sure, but um, because of the people that I guess I idolized as artists, I always saw more men being really good artists. Hmm. Um, and were I you mean, into Michael, comic books when you were? No. Okay, so fine arts then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it actually took me some time to get into the modern art because um, I just always loved like the Renaissance art. And then, of course, the area that I grew up in, uh, like wildlife art. So, hmm. yeah, no, for me, it was always more of a masculine thing because it was always men that I saw drawing. Okay. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to at all suggest that art is a gendered activity. I'm just wondering because he said oh, sports no. and fishing and stuff like that. But um, oh, yeah. do you have any, um, like, f- furry versions of Caravaggio that you've done? Because I, I might want to uh, uh, commission commission a Caravaggio, a furry Caravaggio. Car, I don't. Maybe I'm not. He's my favorite. I don't favorite. even know what you're talking about. Renaissance oh, guy, the artist. Okay. Car, okay. Caravaggio. No. no. You know, like with no. uh, Judith beheading the. I'll send you some. Oh, gee. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, let's do it. Let's do some furry art. That <laughs> <way>. <laughs> well, I mean, well, okay. To broaden the question, have you? Did you do furry Renaissance style or furry like? Stuff in the like, beginning, like, I did. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, how how would yeah. the furries? How did the furries? If you're going from fine art, because I was I would picture furry mm-hmm. coming from a comic book artist kind of thing, but you're coming from fine art into furry, mm-hmm. and how do those two things mix and match? Um, I guess like the way that like um, like the Renaissance period kind of affected my style was, you know, it's very dramatic and like yeah. their hands and just it's very dramatic and like the lighting, yeah, uh, very detailed. So I never did the toony stuff. I always did like, I guess like picture like Chronicles of Narnia, like more like fantasy stuff like that, where they're like real animals that can talk or okay, um, like a, a fawn, I guess. Okay, mm-hmm. in dramatic settings. Okay, interesting. Okay, and um, so the your transition it sounds like was a completely separate issue from how it 
it it's kind of become like an identity nowadays. It seems like it was just mm -hmm. a, a personal private thing that it wasn't a part of activism at all. It was just something for you right. and for you alone. And Right. It was, uh, I'm in the wrong gender and I just yeah. want to live as the opposite gender and be presenting that way and just live my life. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so you got into furry, uh, <laughs> sorry furry stuff no. is just so weird <laughs> to me um but i'm into weird things too um when did you what year about was that that you first uh got got into mm -hmm. doing that stuff like mid 20 teens kind of stuff um i joined like the mainstream furry website in 2010 okay okay yeah. And the community you said was uh, kind of gay guys and stuff, kind of smaller, uh, probably yeah, it, smaller community. It was mostly like, to use their language, it was mostly straight cis people and <laughs> like gay cis people, you know, like there really wasn't a lot of trans going on there. Okay. Um, and when did and, the, yeah, the social... Yeah, I'm sorry. When, when did the social justice-y kind of stuff start to crop up? Um, I noticed it probably 2014 is when I started noticing it. But then, um, with the presidential race of 2015 and Trump, it kind of amped up, <laughs> unfortunately. Hmm. Um, and so it's been pretty much since 2016 until current day that, um, I've just been so frustrated with them. So like many a artistic community in the last, I guess, t since 2014, for whatever reason, that or 2013, 2014 is when it started to, something started to happen in all of the millennial groups and clubs mm -hmm. where everything started to become political, where political discourse or power dynamics or awareness and wokeness, being aware of oppression, started to become the main currency of discourse, mm -hmm. it seems like. And did, is that, because I know from the knitting community to the young adult fiction community, there's all these different communities where this kind of purity politic starts to take over. And my take on it is that this ideology is particularly adapted to giving pe narcissistic personality disorder people and uh, borderline personality disorder people and that other dark triad personality disorder kind of person. It gives them the ability to take over and to dictate how other people behave, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it's, oh, yeah, it, it's very empowering. And yeah. And it's very intimidating too, because you're you're summoning mm -hmm. up the worst possible things that somebody could be: racist, right. sexist, uh, homophobe, a bigot, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you started seeing that, were you ever tempted to mirror that in your behavior? Was it kind of mm -hmm. like mm -mm. water off the duck's back, or was it revol uh, revolting to you? No, you I no, I actually found it revolting, and that's. Um, when I started to get frustrated with the furry fandom is when I started seeing that pop up um, because I was always under the assumption that, you know, as a child and like growing up in the way that I was raised, I was always under the assumption that 
modern America was very um, diverse and we had like overcome a lot of these different issues. Um, you know, the gay community was being more accepted, you know, every day. And so, and minority communities were being accepted. And, and it's just when I saw, I guess, people playing into this, that we're being oppressed or we have to fight. And it just, it didn't make any sense to me because I had never seen that before. Um, I had never seen any of my friends, you know, of different ethnicities being oppressed. Um, I grew up with friends that had Guatemalan backgrounds or African-American backgrounds and they grew up better than I did. So when I started seeing I guess that kind of ideology popping up, it, it just didn't make any sense. I was, I was, I guess kind of confused. Um, hmm. I just, I didn't know. Yeah. I wasn't sure. So I, that's, and I, and I knew I couldn't speak up about it either. That was the issue because I had seen um, the furry fandom had a comedian. He would go to all these different conventions and really funny guy, like really funny guy. And, his jokes weren't just furry, but he would just go to the, you know, he was a really good comedian and his humor wasn't politically correct. So he had gotten canceled for something that he joked about a few years prior at a convention and his whole career went down the drain. He wasn't allowed to go to conventions anymore. Oh. Uh, the fandom started calling him everything, you know, racist, bigot, everything. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so, so they didn't just run him out of town. They ruined, they went after his reputation. They ruined his reputation. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they made an example of him, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So just for demographic purposes, because wokeness is highly influenced by demographics, um, furries, um, 20% white, 80% white, what would you say? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I'm a, definitely a majority because... Um, yeah. I'd say probably like 80, 90% white. All right. Because uh, you'll see people actually talking about that. Oh, it's an issue. We need more BIPOC people, you know, more voices of color to speak up for the furries. And <laughs> it's definitely a majority white. <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay. So it, it's mostly white. So they can't really play the race card. They can no. play the cue card. The mm -hmm. in order for them to be oppressed, they have to um, mac on sexual oppression or sexist. Mm -hmm. And it's what 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 what's the um, sex demographics? I'm sure it's changed over time. Uh, but was it mostly mm -hmm. male and kind of went uh, even split? Yeah, it was. It was definitely always majority male. Yeah. And then as you've seen more women get into the fandom, they're actually trans. So. Um, Wait, um, hold on. Just to be clear, they're trans yeah. women or trans men? Uh, they, they females. Would, so they're biologically female, but they're pretending okay. to be men. Okay. And um, so realistically, the furry fandom, even today, it has a pretty small, I guess, like cis female population, whether it's lesbian or straight. Mm -hmm. um, they're definitely a minority. Hmm. Uh, okay, one, uh, the third factor, which is probably really, really, really difficult to tell unless you're a researcher and did this, is that like neurodivergency or uh, kind of autistic-like people and mm -hmm. not high-functioning, low-functioning, Asperger-y kind of people, people uh, who are kind of black and white thinking, people who are a little bit oddballs, uh, could that be uh, what, a minority or majority mm -hmm. of the furry community? Mm, 
Yeah, I mean, they make up a good percentage. It's funny that you asked because I had just seen like a post that the furry Twitter is like kind of throwing around you like, oh, look at us. Um, it was like 18% is what they're claiming the community to be for like uh, neurodivergent. Okay. Um, and then it was like 89% of the fandom is either gay, trans, genderqueer. Q, yeah. yeah. And anybody can be. I could... I could I could just uh, have this poking out of my in the corner and that that will make me that'll make me um, cute anyway so um sorry it'll make you in their sense queer because the idea of queer is not necessarily sexual but just rather to be different from the norm yeah. just yeah just anyhow different so and because mm-hmm. it the only way that wokeness could not destroy the community. Or give the community over to bullying itself and just uh, being a crowd of bullies um, would be to claim some sort of oppression against um, like that furries themselves are oppressed, but they would Mm -hmm. need the platform. They would need to have Don Lemon or CNN uh, to take Mm -hmm. up their cause. Right. They would have to be represented in the uh, Democratic Party or, or the progressive wing of the party. Um, have you seen any attempts of the community to mm. position itself as a oppressed minority? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, among themselves, they definitely say like furry is an oppressed minority uh, because the normies go after them. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely seen articles out of Vice that talk about you know, play into the, yeah. <laughs> if anybody would do it, vice, vice, yeah, would vice do it. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and if they, if the narrative goes around in the community that they are oppressed, that's one way to kind of rope themselves off and make themselves, uh, insular. It's mm-hmm. like an insulating mm-hmm. thing, but, um, there would be a conflict between insulating themselves and then also having that purity politic uh, kind of destroying the community, right? So yeah. you said that there was a comedian that got canceled. Um, mm-hmm. And did you see a string leading up to you getting canceled or you kind of backed away oh. and then you went back in? Okay, so it just, you saw people just getting kind of thrown out or, or vilified. Yeah, they've actually, um, I guess now I'm part of it. They call it the burned furries. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh take it in take it in <laughs> like animal sacrifice or something like what the I heck i don't know i don't know maybe i never really thought about it that way <laughs> it's more it's more if you are seeing issues that kind of go against like your your morality and you speak up against it the fandom decides to go after you and you are now a burned fur. You're no longer part of the community. You're excommunicated kind of a deal. It's yeah. <laughs> this is like a cult. This is like, seriously, it, it it is. And that's why I'm really glad that you wanted to talk about it because people need to understand because it's becoming so common with like younger kids and younger generations. Like mm. they're, that's how they're playing themselves. They're like, Hey, we're all inclusive. BIPOC, LGBT, like, come, like, your parents don't love you, we love, it's, it's weird. Oh, jeez. It's weird. Um, okay. Uh, I did, I spoke, uh, I think it was last year, I spoke with a woman who, uh, had a highly autistic son who got into My Little Pony, uh, stuff, and Mm -hmm. then that led to the furry stuff. And it seemed like this, 
environment it is it attracts uh people who uh are a little bit weird or aren't really connected to s- social uh norms and then also mm-hmm. might be a little bit outcast already they're brought yes. in and then these ideas are planted in that nobody understands you that your parents yes. don't understand you that's a perfect ground not just for cult behavior but for technically grooming behavior right exactly exactly and I tell like I I was telling the furries just recently because they're telling me that you know they're calling me all these names and I'm like I'm you know listen if I end up having a kid they will never be around a furry because that's all the, the community is is I've seen so many different aspects of the fandom that I didn't know existed um I've seen all this stuff more recently and it's like this is just it's nuts they are they're they're bringing in um they're bringing children in and they're grooming them. I mean, they really are like, like a big part of my frustration was here I am detransitioning and I go onto Twitter and you see somebody post, Oh, I went to a therapist for an hour and I'm going to start testosterone. And literally everybody in the comments is congratulations. You go like, this is so awesome. I'm proud of you. You're loved. And it's like, I'm so many times I wanted to say like, Hey, you know, I'm detransitioned and, I could give you another perspective, but I know that it it wouldn't have even mattered because these kids are just so enveloped in this ideology that like you're different. So you're trans or you're it's yeah, it's Hmm. they're definitely grooming kids in a few different aspects. Yeah could, yeah. could you expand on that? That's a really contentious term. It might even be illegal in some websites. I know that Reddit oh, banned yeah. that word, <laughs> which is great that Reddit That's would right. protect groomers. Um, but mm-hmm. what do you mean? Um, and there's a lot of different ways that grooming can occur and mm-hmm. the end, group, uh, end result of that. W- the most salient aspect is sexual grooming. Um, yes. But there's also, uh, you know, psychosocial uh, grooming, cult-like grooming, um, uh, inculcating people mm-hmm. to see the world, uh, to isolate them, and yeah. and to make and them completely dependent on a community, right? Right, and you're going to see all of that in the furry community. You're going to see children because it originally the fandom was for adults, and so there is that fetish side to it, and as years have gone by, it's only gotten more and more fetishized, you know, like the fetishes have just become more outrageous than they were 15, 20 years ago. And so you're, you see a lot of um, sexualization with younger people because they are introduced to, I guess you could say like they're introduced to furry porn. It's, it's, it's so hard to not see furry porn in the community. I never looked for it and I still saw it. You know, it was never my thing, and I still I couldn't even get away from it, and I still can't. Like occasionally, I'll still see it on Twitter, and hmm. I'm not even in the fandom. You know, like I'm on kind of on the outskirts. Um, so hmm. there's definitely the sexualization. Um, I've seen older people going after younger people. That's pretty common too. What um, do you mean by that? Um, befriending them. Or, yeah, kind of like befriending them and then kind of going down like that sexualized. <sighs> yeah, just kind of like the idea of like, you know, I don't know, like older people telling kids, you know, like, oh, this is OK. Like, you, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, <laughs> but there's a lot of like what you would call cub art 
And that is like child art, except it's not art. And it's very controversial, obviously. But even though it's controversial, even within the furry community, it's still extremely prevalent. Okay, so there is... um... Yeah, let's let's choose words very carefully. Uh-huh. There is uh, <laughs> there's depictions of minors in compromising positions, and that's illegal even to draw. I know that it's illegal to draw human minors in mm-hmm. sexual acts, right? If you go into the animals, is it illegal to draw a sexualized version of a cub? I mean, has there any laws right. about that? Like, you know that it's you know that it's in that area, but because it's a cub, but then right what the furry community is, is projecting yourself into that. So exactly. So I'm the adult dog and you're the, you're Mm -hmm. the puppy. Right. So it's, Oh, wow. Yeah. And I've actually, um, I had an issue with a particular individual where I saw this happening and I called him out for it. And he tried to give me all of these crazy like like mind games to explain how it's okay oh because it's anthropomorphic and anthropomorphic is fantasy and fantasy is not real and he goes down all these wormholes or mm. rabbit holes and and that's where i mean i told like people have tried to go after people like this but according to them there's a loophole you know like it's fantasy it's drawn it's not humans therefore it's legal technically Okay, so there's that argument that it is Mm -hmm. just fantasy and pretend, but this community is not gated at all whatsoever and very attractive to vulnerable people, such as minorities. Mm -hmm. So minorities are in this community. There's no gating in this community. Is there any codes of conduct? Uh, Are there any mentors? Is there any police, any policing of the community other than the social justice stuff? No, other than the social justice stuff, I've never seen any, no. Um, I guess the closest thing you could get to that is that, like I said, even within the community, it's very controversial. Mm-hmm. So if someone were to find out that you were into that, um, they would definitely make a big fuss about it. But I've also seen in that case where if you have the wrong political views, the fandom will take you down. But if you have the right political views, a lot of people will just turn their eye to it, you know? So it's not treated Mm. evenly. Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah. So did you intentionally uh, try to ruffle their feathers or was there that with the scar? Oh, I think you froze. (laughs) Crap. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Did your battery die? My phone overheated. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right when it was getting good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, no, no worries. I think my question was when you decided to, uh, when you, that for which you were canceled, mm-hmm. was that intentional? Did you know that you're, you're uh, crossing some lines there? You're playing oh, around yeah. with the sacred ideology? Yeah. What I actually decided to do was I had a business account. Um, cause I've built a business in that community. Um, and so I had things to say. So what I did was I created an alt account and 
I made a comic. It hit some nerves, so they figured out who I was. And what was the comic? Managed... <laughs> it was it was the lion that I've come to be known as, and it was like the furry fandom, you know, welcome, and he's excited, and he's going into the convention, and it says welcome, and then the next ACAB, and he's like what, and then it says BLM, and he's like what, and then it says. Um, give me your passport, you know, your vaccine passport. And it's like, what the heck, you know? And, um, and then he's just kind of like, Hey, can we just like not focus on politics and maybe just like hang out? And, you know, I just would like to see my friends. And then the character is like, well, you can't just hang out and be friends with people. People are oppressed in this fandom. Furries are oppressed. Black people are oppressed. And you, you know, in the character, um, talks to the lion and says you know you're a you're the most oppressed you're black and gay and the lion's like i'm not oppressed i've never been oppressed for either of those traits and uh and then that was pretty much the comic <laughs> and so that's why i got yeah so and I, and what's funny is i posted i was i told my husband i'm like watch they're not they're not going to be able to say anything bad about this because it's in my mind it was like don't judge orientation or color and um no they got me for blackface is what they're saying <laughs> oh wait oh wait hold on hold on so it's it's uh you could potentially if you had the correct political moves uh draw a uh, uh, minor attracted furry mm-hmm. explicit material and pretending that you're a child is not blackface pretending you're a woman or a man isn't right. woman face but blackface Blackface is blackface. Uh-huh. And this community, yeah. again, is 80, 90%. Probably white, Asian, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of black people, you would say? No. Okay. Not even really a lot of... I'd say it goes white and then Asian and then, you know, not a lot of Hispanic either. Yeah. So, but, <clears throat> yeah, so they're offended on behalf mm-hmm. of a group. That surrogate yeah. offense. Right. And I've even had, um, like I said, well, you know, they're going, well, you're, you're just pretending to be blackface to get to, they pretty much said that I was pretending to be black to manipulate a narrative to get people over to my side. (laughs) And, and I said, well, what about my black friends? Like they thought that this comic was a, you know, they liked the comic and that, well, no, they're racist. They don't count. Like, okay. (laughs) So it, and again, you see that it doesn't matter what color, what orientation, nothing. As long as you have the wrong political stance, yeah. you are whatever, racist, bigot, yeah. So what's your side then? If they're accusing you of being on this, are you fascist? Is that what you believe? Oh, yeah. I was, when that comic, when that comic dropped, I was titled Nazi, fascist. I was called Hitler. Um, I'm a homophobe. I'm anti-vax um i mean like everything in the damn book is what i got called for that one comic (laughs) which i don't know it is what it is i guess (laughs) yeah but are you a fascist i mean just for the record oh no i'm (laughs) no that's what's crazy is like everybody always assumed i was like a liberal my whole life and then um because i'm like kind of anti-government that's how i grew up and so I thought, you know, we were all kind of on the same page, and then all this hmm. stuff happened with 2015-ish. And yeah. Whoop. 
Huh. It's like, you, you know, the Elon Musk meme where it's like he's standing there and the left keeps moving further and further and he's looking more right every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and this happened after or during your detransition? Um, I was detransitioned for probably a couple of years when I decided to okay. just go for it. Yeah. So your uh, the process of dismantling your trans identity and then reaccepting yourself as fully gendered mm-hmm. and female inside and out. Um, mm-hmm. Was that process? Did that process prepare you for being dogpiled on and thrust out of your community? Right. Because and you're um, you're older yeah. too, so you're not as susceptible, right. I would imagine, to what other people think. If it happened ten right. years prior, it might have been a little bit more distressing. I'm just wondering, how did you deal with that stress? Of- um, I actually did pretty well um, because I had practice. <laughs> what happened was, um, I I did vote for Trump, and when I voted for Trump in 2015, um. All of my friends, like non-furries, because furry was just a small part of my life. It was never like my whole identity. So when I voted Trump, everybody in my life left. The only people I had was my family. All of my friends left. They all knew me. And all of a sudden I'm racist. And it's like, you know, I'm not racist. though. Really, <laughs> And so I lost all of my friends, but one person. And um, so I, that kind of prepared me for what the fandom threw my way. And that was a lot. The fandom wasn't even that bad. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. Cause it's like, I didn't lose anybody personal in the fandom, Yeah. but I sure, I sure learned a lot about myself that I didn't know what overnight you <laughs> yeah. you know, about me being a Nazi and you know, all this oh. different stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I found, I, I found out that I had a wife that sh- she left me. My wife left me because she oh. couldn't stand my politics and Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. So they they There's had a, a whole head canon about, about you. They they wrote comics uh, about you. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of things that. Well, um, basically, what happened was there were a couple of people, not a lot, just a couple of people that had really big followings. Which uh, it was like ten to fifteen thousand people that were following them, and. Um, and all it took was it's like you've got this band of people that have a decent following in the community and it they like made it their goal to go after people like me um you know and they're like Hmm. they're openly communist and openly antifa and all this stuff and it's Hmm. like just their life goal to just I, i don't know it's wild so what happened was there's a handful of people that are going after me really really hard and making up all these rumors and then all of their followers are repeating the rumors and the rumors are spreading like wildfire and they're just getting more and more bizarre and abstract. And, Hmm. um, it was definitely a trip to see that whole process go down. That's Hmm. for sure. Yeah. And you had seen that happen before. I, not so much kind of with, like I said, that comedian. Yeah. Um, but he was canceled for something he had said prior, like year, you know, a few years before. Um, I was canceled for speaking against it, and it's it's almost. I say that I've seen it before because I've followed people um, for years now, like Stefan Molyneux. I saw him kind of go through something like that with Twitter, and I, you know, I, I followed a lot of different people like that. So, like, the cancel culture wasn't 
a new concept to me. I knew what I was getting myself into. Uh, I just didn't expect the severity. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be what it was. Um, and just to see, like, just to see how it works, I guess, is what I found really interesting. Um, the whole process of, like I said, like just a small percentage of people taking your image and your name and constructing all of these rumors um, and fallacies about you and then spreading it. And all of those minions, I guess is what I call them. You know, I call them their minions, but it's like just repeating everything that they say mm-hmm. and then coming to me and repeating that. It's like, well, shoot, I didn't know that I was that, or I didn't know that about my wife, you know? <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. Uh, so what's your response then? Doubling down, cowering, mm-hmm. running away, going silent, giving up. What do you do? Um, so at first, I was very surprised because I didn't expect them to find out my business account. I didn't expect them to out me, basically. I thought that they would just go after this alternative account that I'd created. So I was very shocked. And um, when it all first happened, I kind of trolled back, you know, like they would say something and I'd go, ha ha. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Okay. You know, that's what I am. Oh, you're doing blackface. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's me doing blackface. Sure. Um, but then but it they're just pretending to be hand. animals. They, they, right, they're literally right. dog facing. <laughs> they're dog- and cat face. I know. <laughs> Sorry. But you know, what's wild is even as a white person, you can't have your character can't have dreadlocks. Yeah. I mean, stupid or stuff hoop like e- that, earrings. You know? I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And they're the ones that they project so mad. Like, so I saw somebody posting like, hey, it's Halloween. Don't forget, you can't wear silk pajamas. And it's like, why not silk pajamas? And then they had to go into their comments because a lot of people were like, why not silk pajamas? And they said, oh, because of Asians. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Next thing, you're not going to be allowed to eat curry. <laughs> like, what uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a wild community i'll tell you what <laughs> well i mean you know i i have an interview that i need to publish but i've been so backlogged um with um a woman where we we speak about autism's relationship to the internet and a lot of the behavior that we see can be uh, attributed to borderline personality disorder narcissism and stuff but there is a lot of autistic traits in this black and white thinking um mm-hmm especially and then also just having problems with category and nuance and also thinking in terms of cliche or thinking in terms of ideological statements and not being able to play around with those things not not really not being able to play around with nuance and humor especially and that that is uh it's almost a defining characteristic of the social justice woke movement um Mm -hmm. And it's really not good for communities. It's really not good for communities. There was this brilliant post, I think it was last year, um, that it came out of Japan. So some, uh, some, uh, anime artist was telling other anime artists like, okay, listen, if any Westerner has any of these things in their bio, bio, just completely mm-hmm. ignore them. Any any pronouns, any uh, if they call themselves crazy, they are. You know, if, if any of these diseases, mm-hmm. if they have any of these acronyms, just completely ignore anything and block them immediately because they're absolutely <laughs> rabid people. And it was like yeah. from this other culture, like looking at how American 
you know, politics is going around oppressing everybody um, in the name of saving people from oppression. So it's just kind of that's a good take. I wish that more communities would have done it that way. <laughs> yeah. So gatekeep honestly, like gatekeep their community a little bit, but. Yeah, so I wonder, is there, like, a rising burnt furry fandom, you think? That, that'll, um, do you have to give up on this, or do you, you going to stick it out because this is something that you've built and just go forward? I'm not totally sure. Um, with all the COVID restrictions, a lot of conventions, like, got really crazy. Like, you had to wear a mask under your fursuit, <laughs> you know, like... Um, and be boosted and everything and so what happened was there was this convention that popped up last year and they were pretty much like we don't care what your political views are we're just here to celebrate furry like anthropomorphic animals and they got called fashcon <laughs> and uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's, Being apolitical I, like, is fascist now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and they went after. I mean, like they start like Antifa, the because furry does have Antifa. Like a lot of furries are Antifa, and so they were like, you know, we're gonna Antifa's gonna go, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go to this convention. We're gonna intimidate them, and I don't think they actually ever did. They were all talk, but um, all on Twitter, you know, it's just like. This yeah. is Fashcon. It's all Nazis. It's all alt-right people. Yeah. And um, so they're, they're doing it again, which means they got decent numbers last year. Mm. And they're doing it again this this year. So You going to go? No, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. I'm over the fur. I'm at, literally, I'm at, at this point, I'm just here to troll. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, at but, this point I'll just make my comics. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, then what, what's your positive creative pursuit then? If you have to kind of sacrifice what you were into, like, where are you going now? What mm -hmm. do you find interesting? What's the direction forward? Um, so tattoo art. Oh yeah. I've gotten into tattooing. Yep. So, and that's actually going really well for me. It's looking very promising and I'm looking forward to that because that community tends to be a little more down to earth. <laughs> mm, mm. Well, for the time mm -hmm. being. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wait, so you sit around in a booth and people come to you and you poke them with a needle or you design the things that other people poke into their bodies? Uh, both. I, so right now what I'm doing is custom art, uh, like custom tattoos for people. Do you so, do the tattooing or the designing of the tattoo? Oh, yeah. Okay. Both. Both. Yep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, are you licensed Sounds and like bonded? That. Is that how it... Apprenticeship. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that... Yeah. Is that fun? You don't have to worry about the sound. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I like doing it... I, I like it more because it kind of gives me the chance to focus more on, like, the fine art aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, because with the furry community, I actually had to develop my style to be more, like, cartoony. Cause that's what they want is more cartoon looking stuff. And that wasn't really me. So like doing the tattoos, hmm. I don't know. I, it's, it's a lot cooler cause it's not just furry. I can do anything. And a lot of it's realistic and yeah, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm really looking forward. I'm glad that things worked out the way they did, you know? Wow. And I'll continue to be a, a thorn in their side. You know, <laughs> I like making comics that basically expose them is what's going on. You know, um, mm -hmm. 
like I, my most recent comic I made was, um, you know, it was an Antifa guy and he was stepping on the head of just a normal guy. And, you know, it's like, oh, you silly fash. Like everybody knows Antifa's fake, you know, it's not a real organization. And they kind of expose themselves. They're like, oh, wow, this artist is stupid. They're making us look good. And, you know, hmm. like they kind of they talk themselves up and they kind of expose themselves. So that's kind of my goal with that is I'm going to focus on my tattoo art and then just also kind of. Yeah. I don't know, like expose. Well, good thing you grew up shooting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that, yeah, my, my family's like, oh my gosh, like what happens? People are crazy on the internet. What happens if they come to you? And I said, well, I don't know. DeSantis just got done telling looters, you know, if you go to somebody's house, they can shoot you. <laughs> so, no, but, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm not going to let people bully me. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how we get our country taken away. And I'm not down for that. I don't huh. want to be in a communist Antifa country. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what the furry fandoms become, so. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, well, thank, thank you for adding more anecdotal evidence, uh, documenting just this weird phenomena of, uh, mm-hmm. communities being taken over by political actors who don't seem to do anything other than break other people down. It doesn't seem like they actually contribute right. in a positive way. They just kind of malignantly take over, um, other people's exactly. work and other thriving exactly. communities and stuff like that. But, um, also mm-hmm. like ex- just ex- expressing, I just appreciate hanging out with you because it's just, you got a good well, likewise. vibe. So well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So That's thanks. why they don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It was good talking. So, so before you go, uh, plug your work or yeah. where people can find you. Oh, um, I'm on Twitter. It's Sheeple Slave. <laughs> um, yeah, S H E E P L E Slave. Um, okay. And that's no website, where though? I do a lot of my comics. Okay, so no, it's no website anymore. I used to, but okay. Um, but yeah, that's where I do my comics, and then I want to start being a lot more vocal about my detransition too and just oh. my experience being trans yeah well th- yeah so. that was uh yeah thanks for inserting that um into mm-hmm. the conversation too because you 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 brought a different angle to it than um than is kind of common it, your reasoning for transition and detransition is is unique and the the whole detrans topic uh, one of the reasons why i want to continue doing it is because there's so many different unique aspects mm-hmm. to it it's so complex it can't be just squished into a sound Definitely. bite right so right exactly yeah and i think it's very important right now that detransitioners and just people who i guess support that you know and we speak up more about it mm-hmm. and we got to fight the narrative somehow and i think that's really the only way to do it is to bring to light you know that there's other ways to to deal mm-hmm. with gender dysphoria than just medical transitioning so mm-hmm. yeah Excellent. Well, I'll let you get on to your apprenticeship. Uh, yeah. Have fun. Go take the... care of my goats. <laughs> oh, you have goats too. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. They were screaming at me. <laughs> um, not yet. Not yet. I just started a herd, but yeah, they're definitely going to be dairy goats. Well, yeah. what's technically a herd? That's 12 or more? Oh, no, no, no. Our herd is very small. It's okay. three goats. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you're starting Yeah, small. but yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. Uh, Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.
Okay, that's that.